Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. I'm speaking with Alan Nance, the CEO and co-founder of Citrus Colab. This is the second in a series of three podcasts with Alan that are dedicated to end-user experience, or as you'd like to call it, Alan, prosumer experience. <laughs> Those of you who listened to episode one will know what I'm talking about. You know, Alan, I was looking back at your company's website, and I don't think I saw this before, the photos of you and your colleagues as kids. And there's got to be a story, the picture of you there with that massive teddy bear. I don't think I've ever seen one that big. <laughs> the thing that these photos do is they always take you back to your own youth. And then you realize just how much things have changed. And now I'm going to sound really old. Life seemed a little simpler than it is now. Well, you're certainly not going to get any argument from me on that, especially with all of the complexity and change that's due to the pandemic. Oh, oh, I'm going to stop myself. I think we're all tired of talking about the pandemic. <laughs> Instead, how about if we talk about business recovery, looking ahead? Most of the enterprises that I've spoken with say that they're going to continue to have some percentage of employees working from home and that those that are returning to the office are going to have a very different work experience than today. So thinking about our theme of worker experience, Alan, what what are some lessons that we can learn from the past that will help us to have a, a much better experience, whether we're working from home or working in the new office? When I first started working at Hewlett Packard, Hewlett Packard was on a mission to have people work from home. So there was a lot of conversations about work-life balance, which you don't hear so much about right now, but there was a lot of conversation about work-life balance. And what happened was that the offices basically emptied out and the offices became zombie dwelling places where if you turned up, you have this office that was you know, set up for 100, 200 people and there'd be three people you know, in the corner uh, listening uh, to some, uh, some course. And it was very, very depressing. So when I hear companies say, well, you know, working from home is now going to be the big thing and we're going to shut down buildings, I'm thinking we're going to make the same mistake that we made in the 90s. That's not the key. The key is to look at the whole life relationship that we have with our employees. And I think what you're going to find is that when you look at it through the experience perspective, you're going to see that we're going to be creating experiences around social engagement, about work engagement, about productivity. And those experiences could also be different between the industry and the role that the prosumer has. So what we're going to see is further consumerization of the work relationship with employees. We already know that employees are not for life. Uh, we are very much into a gig economy. That's not going to go away. So what that means is that when we start to look at these different groups, we really need to engage with them because by engaging with them, we understand them better. And if we understand them better, we can design experiences that strengthen our social engagement, our work engagement, our productivity engagement, and, and some of the specific roles that the prosumers are, are trying to uh, execute. And so, Alan, I think we, here we've been focusing a bit on what needs to be done differently, this, this focus on engagement, focus on employee experience. Maybe we could flip it around and talk about what are some things that 
you see perhaps as a trend that works against that or going to cause problems for end user experience and engagement? The mindset in enterprise IT has become that the digital workplace is a sort of one size fits all environment that if we design it properly is going to help us to serve everybody. And there's an acceptance that there's going to be some differentiation in it. But essentially, everybody says one size fits all. And the digital workplace is essentially um, a capability architecture. Now, what concerns me about that is that the digital workplace is not a capability architecture. It's an experience architecture. And if we're in a war for talent, then we need to be thinking about what do we need to do to attract that talent, to make it productive, to create the value and to retain it. And then we need to look at what do, the, what do those people think? How do they think? How do they feel? And when I look at what we're building in the digital uh, workplace, then what I see is essentially uh, an effort to correct the mistakes that we had before. So for instance, let's all move to Teams, you know, because Teams is better than Skype. Whereas when I look at the younger millennials and Jed Z, they want to be in their Apple ecosystem. They want to be working on, on Slack. They want to be doing different things. And so we need to understand what they need. Otherwise, we are going to be letting the organization down because we're going to be creating digital workplaces that miss the mark for those younger millennials and Gen Z. Having said that, there is still a group of older millennials and boomers that are very comfortable with the idea of a digital workplace as a competence architecture. So we need to balance these different generations on how we design the experience for them. And I, I don't think that's, that's fully recognized enough by, by senior executives. I'm pausing here a bit, Alan, because what you're saying seems to fly in the face of everything that managed services and even idle has tried to put into place to improve IT. I mean, for years, we've said that we must standardize. I, I mean, you can't automate unless you've standardized. And what I hear you saying now is that the standardization is actually delivering a bad work experience to many employees. Right. So, so if I'm in an enterprise, Alan, just walk with me here a bit. And I allow my employees to pick whatever apps they want to do their job. I think my IT costs are going to go up and I'm going to have a hard time adding automation, which is a goal of mine. So help, help me out here, please. How do we balance the value of standardization with this ever-growing need to give employees a great experience? Well, I think we need to have a mindset shift about where the value is. See, I don't think there's a lot of value in just productivity for productivity's sake. Companies have tried to get through the last 20 years by being more and more productive, but they're not selling more. Their revenue numbers are not going up. They're getting beaten in the marketplace, which means they have to save more money, and especially in outsourcing. We've got ourselves into the mindset that a rebid outsourcing contract is all about lowering the cost over time. That's, that's really what it's about. It's not about creating value. It's not about generating revenue. It's not about helping the company to survive a turbulent time. So I think we're on the wrong track as a whole. 
And I think that the money that we save in IT is irrelevant when it comes to the success of the enterprise overall. Mm-hmm. And I think also that one of the problems is because we are technically gifted, the, the personas that we've decided to make our decisions on are all technical personas. If you go into a digital workplace and you talk to them about personas, they're talking about fairly static ideas of consumption. So, you know, you're going to have high-end um, persona who's... Road warrior. The uh, road warrior. Sorry. Yeah. And, and all of these things are pretty ridiculous now because, as we've just said, people are moving into social work, productivity. And so they are going to have all of those personas. What is more important is to, is to think in terms of ecosystems. And you, you hear people talk about bring your own app, bring your own environment. And you can see this with, um, in, in the DevOps community. If you're teaming up with a large provider to do a specialized DevOps work, you want those people to use the tools that they are good at because that's going to improve the value that they produce for you. They're going to produce more valuable stuff faster. And that's more important than them producing less valuable stuff cheaper. That's just not that important. So I think we've got to change that mindset. I also think we, we need to start thinking about an enterprise as a series of different ecosystems that are actually quite volatile. And you see that now as more and more companies team up to make a product. I mean, people are very anxious about Amazon uh, and you say Amazon's killing these other organizations. But if you actually go on to Amazon and you find out where the products are coming from, often they're coming from small and medium businesses. Often they're coming from companies that some may regard as a competitor to Amazon. So Amazon has embraced not the platform, but the ecosystems around that platform that they can create. And I believe that we've invested significantly in public cloud uh, capability and what public cloud capability allows us to do, and I'm getting a little technical here, is it allows us to do data liquidity at scale in very specialized ecosystems. So, for instance, if we want to create a solution that connects a patient at home with a hospital, the goal now is not to create a platform and attract people to your platform. The goal is to really understand the experience that you're trying to create for the patient and for the doctors and and for the specialists and for the insurance uh, companies and create very, very specific ecosystems to solve that. And that ecosystem will require you to enable people from different companies. I mean, I'm just making this up, but it could be uh, a company like Philips that's in the healthcare business, teaming up with uh, Kaiser that's in the uh, insurance and health uh, provision business and, and, and patient communities. These are the things that we now have to learn to do. And so these things are way outside uh, competence architectures. They're they're experience architectures. And if we're going to get to experience architectures, we need to spend time understanding all of the different personas, not technical personas, but real personas that are going to participate in that ecosystem. What I hear you saying, Alan, is if we kind of turn things around here and instead of thinking about uh, managed services and IT as 
as something that I need to reduce the cost of and focus on the efficiencies. Instead, turning it around and looking at the experience, the experience of the employees, the experience of the customers of the business, that is what is going to expose new options for revenue for growth, as opposed to simply reducing my costs and, and maybe improving margin. Absolutely. That's a pretty a significant difference and a great way of thinking about, about the digital workplace in a whole new way, right? Right. I mean, what's the point of teaming up with a company like Unisys? The point is not that Unisys just understands all the nuts and bolts of, of computers, but that Unisys has deep expertise in different industries, uh, is a participant and a major player in a lot of uh, different industries. And so when they come to you, you don't want to say, well, you know, how can you manage this widget for, the, for cheaper than your competitor? You actually want to sit down and say, you know, what can we co-create here? Your understanding of the required experience in this industry, our understanding of how we play in that industry needs to come together. So when we combine what you know well with what we know differently, we can, we can do some magical things. And that's when outsourcing becomes a value driver rather than a, a cost reducer. That is pretty exciting. Well, I, I hope my listeners have enjoyed listening to you as much as I have here and hearing your point of view on end user experience, or should we say prosumer experience? Uh, preferably. <laughs> I really want to thank you so much, Alan, for, for taking some time to talk with me today. Well, thank you for having me because I, I think this is, as you said, a very, very exciting time and uh, getting the conversation going, that's the best thing we can do. You've been listening to Alan Nance, the CEO and co-founder of Citrus Colab. Alan has been instrumental in codifying best practices for evolving the end user experience. But that lays the foundation for us to have a follow-on podcast where we talk about measuring, and that's where we get into the XLA. So I look forward to speaking with you again in the future episode, Alan. <laughs> and we'll, we'll chat soon. Thank you. So with that in mind, I'd like to invite everyone to mark their calendars. For two weeks from now, we'll be releasing the third episode in this series on worker experience. In that episode, Alan plans to reveal some tips that actually help us measure experience. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.